0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the
1: Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want
0: The volume.
1: What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out podcast on this beautiful Friday. I think you could be listening whenever it's a podcast. Here's the game plan today. A little football talk off the top. Then we went mailbag at John Middlecoff. Is the Instagram fire in those DMs? Get your question answered here on the mailbag. Somehow we had a lot of Minnesota questions. Maybe it's the quarterback documentary because of uh, Kirk Cousins, who has the smallest TV in the history of rich people in their living room. I think I had a bigger TV in the late 90s in my room in junior high. That's just come on, Kirk. I I understand. You can't. You gotta have a bigger TV and the location of it. I just don't understand his living room. It's huge. Uh, huge red flag I got on on my man cousins in in the first episode. That's all I've watched. Someone else hit me up on social media. They're like, "Middle Cuff, you hate hard knocks. How are you doing an ad read for quarterbacks? Because it's not hard knocks. Okay, <laughs> like we're not watching some undrafted free agent. I'm just watching Patrick Mahomes and cousins." I'm just watching two quarterbacks and Mariota mic'd up all season long. This is them. That's it. If you told me Hard Knocks was just Aaron Rodgers for four episodes, I'd be much more interested. But you know there's going to be some story about some veteran guy who's about to get cut and some undrafted free agent trying to make the team. It's going to be terrible. If you just said, hey, it was just cut, it's just Rodgers and Robert Sala, I'd be like, I'm in. We know that's not the way it ever plays out. So I would say the docu-series on the quarterbacks is a little bit different than what Hard Knocks has become. Sorry for a little tangent there. But so football podcast now. I was also on Collins' podcast. So you're going to hear a lot of me probably on the feeds talking, obviously, football. And it's right around the corner. So we're ramping up. Other than that, no podcast this weekend. Go out and enjoy the heat. I think it's supposed to be about 175 degrees here in in Arizona. So uh, I'm going to enjoy my air conditioning. And other than that, I don't think we have any housekeeping. The volume.com. Check out the merch. We got some three and out. We got some three and out gear. So go check out really good looking hats. I got some, I think in transit. They might actually got here because I got an email. I got something in the, uh, in the package room that I got to go pick up here. But other than that, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review it, share it with your friends. Check out the YouTube channel. Got a lot of content up there as well. And let's, uh, let's dive in. But first, can I tell you about my friends at game time? Go to your smartphone right here and download the GameTime app. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in America, and it's the official ticketing app of this podcast. Just download it, and when you do, you want to go to any game, any concert, any comedy show, type in the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, promo code JOHN, and get $20 off any pair of tickets. So you want to go to a baseball game, you want to go to any football game, obviously concerts. I'm going to a concert in three or four days. Can't freaking wait, and I'm doing it because of my friends at Game Time. I use the promo code, $20 off. Couldn't have done it without him. Best ticketing app in America. Use them and use them now. Promo code John. <laughs> okay, let's get into Saquon Barkley. And uh this is one where me and the former player slash media are not on the same page. I I just don't fall under the umbrella of always, oh, you gotta pay him. Pay him. He's getting screwed. Like not everybody in life, and definitely in pro sports, is always getting screwed by the quote unquote man. And in this situation, I've been pretty adamant that I think it's been a lucrative partnership for Saquon, right? He hasn't been underpaid when you factor in how many games he's played over the years and how much money he made because of where he was drafted and then his fifth year option. And even this franchise tag, if he were to play on this franchise tag, he will have averaged over his first six years, $8 million a year, right? And to me, for what he gave, when you factor in the injuries, I I think it's been pretty lucrative for the guy. Right, And here's the other thing. There was a contract signed early in the morning. I saw it pop up on my phone that Quinnen Williams, the highly drafted defensive lineman from Alabama for the New York Jets, was given a large extension. I think well over $60 million. uh, 90 plus non-guaranteed. Right? And not a soul is going to go, yeah. Dumb deal. Every single person is like, would have done it. No brainer. Defensive lineman. Whenever Nick Bosa gets paid, it's like, yeah. Would have done it too. Micah Parsons, those type players, no one even hesitates. Yet every time with a running back, it's like, oof, wouldn't have done that. Isn't there a point where in any line of work, where if the business deal on one side goes, God, this is it's one thing to have a risk. Any business deal, whether you're buying a house, whether you're buying a car, whether you're investing in a running back or defensive lineman, has risk, right? Paying Aaron Judge after historic season has risk. You have to do it. Paying Bryce Harper $300 million is risky. You have to do it. It's a no-brainer. To me, When it's one thing to be a no-brainer, and it's another thing to like be close to on the fence. Is this a good idea? And I think every running back falls under that category. And I think Josh Jacobs, who's a really, really good player, who is a guy you would want on your team, can you give him a four-year contract of $30 to $40 million guaranteed? How can anyone agree that that is good business? He's been hurt countless times in his career. Same with Saquon Barkley. Tony Pollard looked freaking awesome last year. How did season end? Ankle shattered. Now, I understand on their side why you would want to get the long-term contract. There's a lot of risk in playing running back. But how can the universal uh, thinking or thought process when it comes to the position go, can't pay him, can't pay him? And every time a guy that's kind of good or is a good player comes up, it's like, oh, they got to do it. Why? I I just don't understand it. And listen, I've seen, I saw Albert Breer today with Coward on TV. He said, this really signals to the locker room. They take care of the players. This isn't the NBA. This isn't professional baseball. There's like a 30 to 40% churn in every NFL team every single year. You lose countless players all the time. Now, I understand Saquon, high character guy. They like him. He represents the franchise well. He's good in the market. I'm not saying he's not valuable. And I'm not, I don't actually care how much money these guys make. Like, I'm not coming at it from like, I think these guys make too much. Like, you know, the chemistry teacher deserves as much as the starting pitcher. It's like, no, she can't throw a (laughs) hundred. You know, she can't win games for the Yankees. Right. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. But in a salary cap league and in a league where it's very, very hard to find tackles and edge rushers and quarterbacks, right? Hell, I can find wide receivers. I might not be able to get Jamar Chase. But can I get CeeDee Lamb? Can I get Debo Samuel? Right? I can get AJ Brown on the trade block. I, I can get DK Metcalf at the end of the second round. Well, no position beside like interior offensive linemen that no one actually cares about. Not that they don't matter on your team. I'm just saying no, we don't spend much time talking about guards and centers in the uh in this business. Running back is a position that we talk about a lot, right? It's usually I'm not a huge fantasy football guy, but they're usually the number one picks in fantasy football. They've been one of the most famous positions in the history of the sport. And for a uh, large percentage of time, they they were the most important guy on offense. Right. Definitely like the 70s, probably started shifting a little bit in the 80s. But when I was a kid, I mean, Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith were every bit as big as like Brett Favre and Troy Aikman. I'm not saying they were as important. Uh, you could make that argument really for Emmett for a period of time, but you could also say they had a, such a good offensive line. But my point is that they're a very famous position. They're also a very replaceable position. And I, I completely understand locker room dynamics. And I'm not saying like just screw Saquon Barkley, but I don't think I would, but he wants 16 million. They're willing to offer him 13 million, 13 million over how many years? How much do we have to guarantee? Cause I'll promise you this. If you give him a five year deal, at well over $60 million and it's a 40 plus million dollars guaranteed from an economic standpoint, I'm sorry, that's just bad business. It really is. And here's the other thing. Everyone's like, well, they gave Daniel Jones all that money, 15 touchdowns. It is much more difficult to find a quarterback. That is not debatable, right? Is Daniel Jones an 80 plus million dollars guaranteed given what we've seen throughout his career? Of course not. Does his position Make it much more difficult for anyone to pivot. One hundred percent. The other thing is, it's not like they suck last year. Who are they? They were drafting in the twenties. That they made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. He is not a replaceable player. And you can argue on this given team, Saquon's not a replaceable player. Okay, play on the franchise tag. That I would not budge on any of these guys on the franchise tag unless. Okay, you want 15... Can I give you a two-year $28 million deal? I'll guarantee every penny. Teams don't like to do that because of the way it messes with your salary cap. It's why they like doing the longer-term deals, which are very easy when you get a Quinn and Williams or a Nick Bosa because you can amortize it over the salary cap. Well, the way you want to do it with a running back and the amount of money they want, it becomes very... It becomes difficult. It's easy to sign a guard like two years, $10 million it's much harder once that number gets closer to 15 plus million dollars and you want to keep it short. They want to keep it long. These are complicated, but this notion that they have to prove something to the locker room or they couldn't figure out how to operate. If Saquon hasn't been around, like he hasn't been around at points in time of his career because he gets injured. And that's a huge, that is the main concern with this position beside that. How, how easy it is to find a starter on the third day of the draft. How many guys start in the NFL that are undrafted free agents at the position? It's why most really good tackles get drafted pretty high. You can look all over the league, guards and centers, find fifth round picks, seventh round picks, undrafted free agents. There's not many Trent Williams that aren't first round picks. It's what makes the Eagle situation so crazy. They got a rugby player in the seventh round and they molded him to a star tackle. But he had to beat out and ultimately take out a first round pick in Andre Dillard. And replace Jason Peters, who was a premium player, who ironically, I think, also was an undrafted free agent. But they, these are outlier situations. So I, I just never understand, like, this guy's getting screwed when he's made a lot of money. And the franchise tag pays a premium. Speaking of running backs, I, I listen to Brad Holmes, the general manager who has a fascinating story with Peter Schrager on, on his podcast. Talked about how he broke into the NFL as a PR guy. And then, but mainly one thing that stood out to me about the conversation is he discussed the draft this year and they talked about taking a running back really high, and how, you know, most people's reaction was he was a village idiot. You can't make that move. And this gets back to the running back situation with Saquon, Jacobs, Pollard. The most valuable time for one of these running backs now, especially if you are going to draft a guy relatively high, is their rookie contract. It's no different with the quarterback. It's the easiest time to build your team. The difference is, even once I have to pay Mahomes or once I have to pay Herbert or once I have to pay Joe Burrow, I still feel pretty confident about my ability to compete. Once I had to pay Zeke, it was a problem on my salary cap. Todd Gurley, once I had to pay Todd Gurley and he wasn't the same guy, it becomes a major, major issue. Cause that amount of money, when he becomes, you know, like instead of being an eight out of 10, a two out of 10, it limits my ability to just sign other solid positions, right? Because I can sign a guard for $3 million. I can sign a safety for $4 million. Like that adds up really, really fast. And he discussed, it was fascinating because he goes, listen, everyone makes this big deal about how you got to take a premium position high. It's not as much about the position as it is the player. He's like, I was with the Rams when we had the number two overall pick in 2014. We took Greg Robinson because you got to take a tackle high. How'd that one work out? And it is true, right? So I'm a big believer in going with the big heavies up front, taking a D lineman or taking an offensive lineman more often than not a tackle, right? It, 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 high in the draft, but you have to have the right player to pick. Like there's a big difference between like Panay or Lane Johnson and some guy who's going to suck. And this is where the scouting elements of it are. It's not easy. This is not an exact science, right? It's an inexact science for a reason. You're dealing with human beings. And now you're dealing with the difference of offenses in college have never been more different than a lot of the things that you're doing in the NFL, especially when it comes to offensive linemen. So his whole point, and the other thing I'm glad he said this is, this draft sucked, right? This draft was not good. Do you want to have a 7.2% interest rate on the mortgage? Of course not. But what if you get a house right now for $300,000 less than it was a year ago? You got to think about it, right? Do you want to spend it 7% on a home when that home is $200,000 more than it was six months ago? Yeah, probably not. But getting the right player is what matters. Getting value based on the circumstances matters. And this kid who they're very, very high on, you listen to him like this was one of his favorite players in the draft. And then the other players surrounding them were not very good. So in a loaded draft, we're viewed like, hey, you could have got a sweet starter defensive tackle. You could have got uh, some awesome corner. Like, I-, I would understand it. But that that's not how people in the league viewed this thing. I-, I would imagine you could find some teams that might not have had 10 first-round picks, let alone 15. I would say if we did on average, if I had to take an educated guess, that number would be between 12 and 13. Guys, in this draft graded with a first round grade. So when you find yourself in a situation like that, I think you can just take the best, the guy who you think is the best player, even if that is a running back, is a center, is a linebacker. I never understand the thing with linebackers, right? Because I think linebackers are come under the umbrella a lot like running backs, is you can find really good guys in the middle of the drafts. And that's true, right? Fred Warner, third round pick. A lot of guys throughout the NFL who are starting middle linebackers uh, we're not top 15 picks. But once you get Fred Warner, like if there is a guy in the draft, like when Roquan was coming out, and you view him as an impact starter at that position, that position impacts the game dramatically. The three down linebackers, their ability to make every tackle in the run game, their ability to cover tight ends, and if you, depending on what type of defense you run, just their ability to run around in zone and make plays is like they never come off the field. And when you look at the stat sheet when the game ends, like, "Oh, they got 14 tackles, they got a PBU, and they, they set the physical tone for my team. So if this guy is an impact running back, it's a no-brainer. Now, back to what we talked about to start the show, where it becomes complicated is the second contract. I love that first contract if he's a good player. Second contract? I- I'm sorry, i I'd probably move on. And last but not least, the Pat Fitzgerald situation. I've been privy to know guys in the NFL, players, coaches, and executives that worked and played for Pat Fitzgerald. And some of those individuals fall under, I would say, the higher character guys I know in my life. And they they don't just throw out bullshit. And hell, I even know people that didn't work or play for him. People, I know that Howie Roseman loved the guy. Like, Pat Fitzgerald isn't just highly thought of. He is viewed as like the cream of the crop when it comes to character, running a program, just as an overall individual. I'm even separating that from football. So when I saw a couple days ago that he was fired, I went, what's the point of multiple decades worth of equity in life? Like he's proven over and over and over again to be just a high-level guy, a trustworthy individual, someone that NFL teams at Northwestern we're begging him to take their job. And someone texted me this week that said, if Pat Fitzgerald can go down in this business, everyone can. Because it's a it's a it's a industry full of sketchy, questionable characters. And I understand when Lane got fired back in the day at USC or Sark with the drinking issues or Hugh Freeze, their equity at a place wasn't that long. This guy played there. He coached his entire career there. And for the last 17 years, Every single day has represented the football program, the university, and has done it as well, if not better. I'm just talking from a character representation standpoint. If you want to fire someone in sports based on on the field or on the court, totally get it. He went one and 11 last year. If you fired him because you go, you lost your fastball, you're not a good coach. So is the business. That That's the way the cookie crumbles when it comes to football, right? you win or you lose. but part of the reason at one and eleven there was zero talk about him getting fired was because of the equity that he has built up. So when a story comes out in the school newspaper, of course the media is gonna love it, right they 90 percent of them went to school there. they all started at that school newspaper and we all people like me, you know journalism's kind of dying they hate that. Um, and so when this happens and then you read it, it's like anonymous sources, now, he got put on suspension because of... I listened to Stuart Mandel on some... Uh, it, not Stuart Mandel, but Dan Wetzel. This was an investigation that started back, I, I think, at the beginning of December. So this was something that just didn't come to fruition a week ago, right? So this was something, and they suspended him for two weeks. But you can see the modern-day snowball effect that a four-string guy, who put his eventually put his name on it because there were anonymous sources... And rumors are that this guy had had a vendetta out for the guy for a long period of time. And I, I just don't understand the point of life equity anymore. If a guy like Pat Fitzgerald can conduct himself, can operate at a program for that, it's not five years, it's not even 10, it's 17 fucking years of proven over and over and over of just being a high level guy who's beloved in the industry, who just held in the highest regard when it comes to being a person. When it comes to the way he coaches, when it comes to just his overall program and how he represents the university, that just something that becomes a little he said, she said, and he's immediately fired. So I, I see a lot of people going, well, of course, he's suing. You know, He got fired for cost. No, he's suing because he thinks he's got railroaded. He got screwed. And I think these situations, it's just a very, very slippery slope. And I wasn't there. Everyone listening, you guys probably weren't there unless you played there. I don't pretend to know all the details of what actually happened. But this one feels a little weird to me. I have a hard time thinking that this guy was just running some renegade program on the side. And it was just some kind of asshole to certain people. He's a coach. So sometimes they're hard on people. Welcome to the sport of football. But this notion that you can spend all this time, all that loyalty, it also shows you why when you get the opportunity in life to upgrade, uh, th- th- there's an element of, of loyalty when you are emotionally tied to someone professionally, right? He played there, but think how many times, whether it be better universities, whether it be NFL jobs, he said, no, he turned down to ultimately be fired by the place that loved him the most. Cause they, w- w- when, you know, the fire really got hot, they turned on him. They, they didn't trust the guy who had given them 17 years' worth of reasons to trust them. Just, to me, a crazy story with a just kind of a sad ending.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Big Take from
1: Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
2: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
0: And then you have China.
1: Okay, let's do a little mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. That's just my name. At John Middlecoff. And the direct messages, those DMs, are wide open. So fire in them. Finally, got a question for you and a formal golf invite. Like this guy already. I hammered two futures for the NFL and want to hear your thoughts. I know you aren't a huge future win total guy. I'm not. I I don't bet it. I enjoy the conversation. I'm just not patient enough. My patience, I was looking at tile today for redoing a bathroom. I I could last about 10 minutes in there. So I I definitely don't have four months to wait on a future bet to hit. Sorry, I got derailed there. Division winners, but the Vikings to win the North at 3-1 to seems like way too much value against a depleted division where their biggest obstacle is a perennial loser, like the Lions, who haven't proved it. Don't hate it. Also laid... Uh, a band on Shanny as a coach of the year for 30 to one. We know he's going with Purdy and it seems inevitable. He gets his first coach of the year. If they can win the division again with Brock Purdy. Curious what you think of these plays. And if you see any other futures you like beside the Jags division winner, that feels like a lock next Saturday. Got a tea time at rim club. If you want to escape the heat, I think it's like an hour and a half away from me. It's supposed to be this next four or five days. I think close to 118 in, in Scottsdale. So I for a guy that plays a lot of golf, I don't think I've touched a club in a month. It's pretty hot. And I, I like playing in the heat. It's just got sick. It's been hot. Ha- haven't touched it, but enjoy it. I don't think I can make it next Saturday. But I, I've always wanted to get up there. I would say the Jags, like I said, lock. The Vikings won. To me, that whole situation, that division kind of feels like a stay away. I'm not confident in the Lions. I'm going to pick them. But anytime Dan Campbell, an unproven head coach, Jared Goff is your quarterback. I know he had success with the Rams, but that was with McVay. Everyone's acting like Ben Johnson is the next Lincoln Riley. Uh, we'll see. You got to do it multiple years. Talent-wise, they're pretty loaded. And if this running back's good, they should win the division. But you get, like you said, you're going to bet on the Lions. The Packers probably have good value in the sense of their number, but how could you put anything on Jordan Love? Even Packer fans have to go like, I hope it's cool, but it could suck. You guys have had it pretty good. Even when you complained over the years about the Favre and the Rodgers years, you know, things got a little weird. It was still better than what I would imagine is coming. And the Vikings, I I watched the first episode of that quarterback documentary. I think Cousins is better than we give him credit for. Uh, he's probably closer to 10 than he is 15 quarterback in the league, but he does have some limitations. And what scares me is now he's not their guy, but Kevin O'Connell and the general manager, I don't want to mess up his name. Clearly are not all in on the guy and not even not all in. They're not extending him, which cousins would gladly do an extension. And I know he's been extended there before, but it feels like they're just going to pivot next year and who pivots with a guy that can just give you 35 touchdowns and when you double-digit games, it's just that's just an easy thing to do. Now, I understand in life, you know, it's easy to just stay in the middle lane. Maybe they think they can go to the fast lane. You can end up in a car crash fast when you make a move at quarterback, when Kirk Cousins are your starting quarterback. The chances that you can upgrade off that, most people do not go Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. You're much more likely to go, you know, Alex Smith to a shitty guy. That's, that's usually the way it goes. So I I like some of your plays. Um, Like I said, not against future bets. Patience is just not a virtue that uh, the big man upstairs gave me. Have a question about my Minnesota Vikings. God, the Vikings are hot here. I'm used to the slander from the media about this team. But this year, I don't understand it. We were 13-4 and with one of the worst defenses in the NFL. We dropped Donatel for Flores as our defensive coordinator. That's an upgrade for sure. For anyone who religiously watches this team, they will also understand that the drop-off from Dalvin to Madison is not that great. I agree. The Lions are on the come-up for sure, but what have they proven? So, very similar. Maybe my expectations need to be tempered, but I don't see our team being as average as predicted by the media. I think the thing when people say you're going to be average is that when you win all these one-score games, the, the big predictor models right from year to year, usually factor in, if you won, let's just pick a number. You won seven, I, I don't know, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I think it was like seven or eight, like one score games. Like really, really close games, right? That can flip from year to year. That seven can be the difference of going from seven to four. So all of a sudden, that's a three-win swing. So now you're 10-win team, right? Which is still pretty good. You take 10 and seven. Hell, you could argue 10 and seven you might sign up for that right now because that might win the division. But that's a big swing. And if one other ball doesn't bounce your way, you can go to nine and eight really quick. So that there's that's a big comeback, you know, to earth moment. All of a sudden you're nine and eight. Maybe you don't win the division, depending on how the conference plays out, which we don't think is going to be that great. Maybe you're the sixth or seventh wild card. Um uh, yeah, I I just think that your defense in theory should be better. But what about your personnel? Because part of defense. Isn't just the coordinator, which is important. Vic Fangio, Brian Flores, uh when Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryan were the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. They're good. I think they're good. But they also had really good players. I think offense is very schematic, right? Andy Reid can win division after division with Alex Smith. Sean McVay can shine with Jared Goff because they can scheme up the offense. Kyle with Purdy and Jimmy, right? Defense a little bit different. You either got Nick Bosa or Luke Kuechly or some of these guys, or you don't. Pete Carroll's a really, really good defensive coach. You could argue in my lifetime, beside Belichick, he might be the second best defensive coach. His teams in FC that dominated on defense, and then his teams, the LOB teams, they had players. Georgia, Kirby's elite. Saban's elite. These guys are elite defensive minds, like all time. Saban learned it from Belichick, and they taught Kirby. These guys know everything. They need the players. You need Jalen Carter. You need Quinn and Williams. You need Minka Fitzpatrick. right? You can't just throw me and you out there. But a great offensive coach could get me and you open on a rubber out. They just could. But ultimately, on an outside zone, if I'm the middle linebacker, I got to get there. I got to avoid the traffic and make the tackle. If I'm the defensive end, I got to be able to get around the edge. I got to either have a power move or a speed move. I either can bend like Von Miller or I got some power like Khalil Mack or I'm just not going to be very effective. So I, I think that's my question. I don't have your roster in front of me, but I think it's fair to say your defense, you guys were really, really good, right? Those teams with uh, Case Keenum. And then when you got to Cousins, on the defensive personnel standpoint, you had a really good defensive line, Kendricks and Barr. That's when uh, Xavier Rhodes was still a good player. Harrison Smith was younger. I mean, your defense, Sandejo, love that guy since the USFL. No big deal. Lewis Riddick wouldn't take him to Howie, but I was all over him. My point is your personnel, and Zimmer is a really good scheme guy. Excellent scheme guy. You could argue his scheme's a little outdated, but knows it like the back of his hand. And when he's got the right players, they were one of the better defenses in the league. But he could not just coach up nobody's. Ed Donatel, who is a Vic Fangio guy. Ed Donatel is Fangio's guy. Is he a village idiot or their defensive personnel? Not great. Another Minnesota Vikings question. I'll just get to the point here, Alex. Many sports podcasters don't really discuss Minnesota sports, and I don't blame them. It's been bleak. But in your opinion, which Minnesota franchise is on the most upward trajectory? Over the next 10 years or so, which one of the four main sports franchises will experience? We're getting a lot of Minnesota hype here. I would say one thing I saw in the quarterback documentary, and you see it on TV, their football stadium, never been there, looks remarkable. That place, anyone listening who has been there, obviously, if you're a Vikings fan, if you've been there, that place looks like the Taj Mahal. What what an incredible place to play football. What a cool, that skull, when you guys are good, is is awesome. You have a 35-year-old quarterback that's not going to be resigned. I I can't bet on you for the future. I'm not saying it won't work out, but I'm not going to bet on you. The baseball team, you guys have had some moments, even recently. I clearly just haven't been over, it. you know, really make a legit run. Uh, basketball-wise, you probably made one of the worst trades in the history of the sport for Rudy Gobert. Uh, I think you'd like to have a do-over on that one. But you do have Anthony Edwards, who, you know, some people think has the opportunity to be a top. What do you think? seven eight player in the NBA? Still got a long way to go, but I would say them. I don't feel great about any of them, though. I have a question for you. First time listener. Love the show. Appreciate you. I'm a Rams fan and love my coach McVeigh. Do you believe this story that Melvin Gordon is saying that McVeigh said he is never paying a running back again and now the league followed suit, which screwed Melvin and others or that the league saw the mistakes and are just using common sense? Of course, McVay is going to say that he paid a running back way early and it backfired. But he's not alone. It happens all the time. It just happened to Jerry Jones. It's kind of out there in the in the running back world with these three guys that are on franchise tags and as of recording this haven't signed. I saw when Kyle Shanahan had his first off, big offseason, who did he sign? Jarek McKinnon. To, I think they gave him like almost 20, maybe it was 22 or $25 million guaranteed. Back-to-back years torn ACL. Just no money. And listen, you, you can sign any player. I don't care who he is, and he can get injured. It does feel, though, the running back is the riskiest. It, it really does. And I would say history shows that, look at the Chiefs. They, they are a great example. That I love Clyde Edwards-Alaire that year at LSU when they won the Natty in 2019. He was freaking awesome. Chiefs take him in the first round. I think they'd like to have that one back. Who's the best running back they've had during that time? They got Jarek McKinnon when the 49ers got rid of him for not much money. And he's played a pretty big role. And Isaiah Pacheco, who they got in the seventh round, who might be the hardest runner in the league. I I think Sean McVay is no different than the majority of coaches, GMs, ETC. I I do not think he's alone. I think it's kind of the universal thinking, right? That's just, it's not necessary. You don't, if you want to own nice cars, own nice cars. you don't unless you're talking classic cars for the most part the moment you drive to drive a car off the lot it's going to lose value right you invest in real estate in stocks if you want roi on your money you like nice cars you want to drive a nice car and you have the money okay but you know that's a losing proposition in terms of value same with boats a lot of people like boats i like boats go out in the lake whatever go in the ocean whatever you know the moment you buy the boat the value usually dips I'm not talking the yachts. I'm just talking ski boats, fishing boats. Okay. Big fan of the pod. Keep it the good work. Originally from many. God, we got a ton of Minnesota people lived in Scottsdale for five years. Love it here. I'll be at Morgan Wallen later this month. I'll be there too. Next Wednesday, I think is when we're going. I've watched the first two episodes of the quarterback and the juxtaposition of Mahomes and cousin shows Mahomes has a dog in him that Kurt doesn't. Can a team win a Super Bowl in this era? when your quarterback isn't a dog. He, I'm not just saying that he all caps D-A-W-G. Dog. Also, it's pretty apparent Kirk wasn't as comfortable in O'Connell's offense initially. Do you think Kirk can make big strides in your two and lead the Vikings on a deep playoff run? And we got what I think is the most fascinating part of this docuseries is Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and honestly going to go down probably as one of the great athletes of all time. Mariotta is your classic... Turns out he was pretty overrated, not accurate enough, but great guy. Easy to root for. I find Mariota... I remember Carr got hurt a couple years ago on a Thursday night game against the Chargers. He pulled his growing uh, when he was like rolling out, and Mariota played the rest of the game. And everybody on the Titans, from Luan to all the players, were tweeting how awesome it was and how they were rooting him on. Like People love Mariota. One thing when you watch Cousins, who I think is a solid player... You know, is he the type guy that every dude on the team is going to love? To me, Mahomes, it's not even just the dog. I, I think the most underrated attribute, and I try to do this, but I forget often, when it comes to a quarterback, it's just toughness. Like, are you the toughest motherfucker on the field? I listened to this podcast the other day with Ed mylette with Troy Aikman. Troy, this guy, he, Troy Aikman said on the podcast, he hasn't taken a warm shower in four and a half months. Aikman is just a health nut. But one thing he talked about, and I remember growing up, I I hated him as a player because I was a big Niner fan. The Cowboys, right when I started watching sports, you know, early 90s, they, they were beating the 49ers all the time. And some of these visuals still, I mean, Troy just getting destroyed and getting back up. And when you think of Favre, when you think of Brady, even Manning, like, toughness is a huge attribute. And last year, and really his entire career, right? When he got his knee dislocated. But last year, that scene, when he gets rolled up on or rolls up on the defender and is just telling him, like, under no circumstances am I coming out of this game. It ain't happening. And Andy's like, you're coming out. <laughs> right? I mean, Andy. Andy's, come on, Patrick. You, you, the, the, this whole building, Arrowhead Stadium, my career, every coach and player career, including Kelsey, they're on your back. We got to be very careful about this but you love it. If I was a chiefs fan for as cool as the super bowls are, and they are awesome. Right. But ultimately once you win the super bowl, it kind of ends and you realize you're kind of sad. Football's over. The most fun of being a sports fan is the games and the journey. Even if you're going to win championships, right? The most fun, if you were a Yankees fan in the late nineties, wasn't the final pitch. It was the playoff series, right? It was winning the divisions. It was just kicking everyone's ass. It's those moments. Right? I, I'm a Warriors fan. Really, I'm a Curry, Clay, Draymond fan. The, the cool moments aren't them ultimately winning the championship, like when the final buzzer hits. It's the moment when Curry goes for 45 against Boston. It's when they end Daryl Morey, Chris Paul, and James Harden's entire legacy. <laughs> it's, it's the moments. And in football, whether it's an incredible pass by Mahomes and the highlights, you sometimes you forget when you watch him play. He's even better than I think sometimes we talk about. And I think that's anytime you get the best player, they're even a little better than I think the hype, right? Like ultimately Steph Curry or Tiger Woods in his prime or, you know, whoever, right. Are better than the way we actually talk about them. And I think that's Patrick Mahomes, but his toughness because he's got, he's the total package. Like if you're just building a quarterback from scratch, you go six, three, six, four, very, very football smart, like elite football IQ. Good guy, high-level, high-character guy, zero risks, very focused, very driven, and the competitive dog has to be like Michael Jordan level. And think about the best quarterback, I can just speak for my lifetime, who just feel like they just refuse to be denied. I would say Tom led the charge, and it feels like Patrick is right on that level. Honestly, I think he was physically limited, but I thought Drew Brees' drive and desire and competitiveness was elite. Like I think Drew Brees' competitiveness, and I've talked about this before, and we've argued over like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. I think Aaron Rodgers is a better player. I think Drew's wiring and competitiveness is, is better than Aaron. And again, we're, we're nitpicking here, but this is what you do at the top, right? Well, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is James Harden competitiveness, but it feels like his, Drew's was elite, Peyton's was elite, uh, Philip Rivers, you know, again, not as talented, not as gifted as some of these guys. But that to me is a make or break. Your competitiveness and the dog, because if you don't have that, you don't have a chance to win at the highest level. Burrow has it. Josh Allen has it. I think we're going to learn about Trevor Lawrence and Herbert um, Lamar. I think there were some question marks. It was just the money situation. Right, you look at the NFC, like I think Dak's really competitive, but like, does he have that high end where he's just gonna refuse to be denied, or does he just have some physical limitations as a passer where he's gonna throw some interceptions? You know, that's what makes sports so fun to talk about. Some of these answers we can all argue till we're blue in the face and we don't get a tangible, you know, that's what's cool about Mahomes, right? He just shows up, got it all, (laughs) he's just. MVP, Super Bowls, legendary performances, limping around, gimping around, making plays. He might be my favorite player. As a kid, my favorite player, like probably a lot of people, was Favre. Just because he, he was the tough, the fun, the touchdowns, the whole thing. It was just, God, this guy. That's who I want to watch play football. I, I think clearly for me right now is Mahomes. I'm as big of a Niner fan as there is. Haven't missed a game in 15 plus years. I'm curious. Are we on the eve of training? As we are on the eve of training camp, given the rosters, given the roster losses, and the roster additions through free agency in the draft, are the Niners a net positive or net negative this offseason? Obviously love the Hargrave signing, and I love Jair Brown draft pick, but objectively feel like we've lost a lot of pieces. Jimmy Ward, Even McGlinchey, who isn't my favorite niner of all time. I hope not. But he's a staple of the offense for the last five years. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, Jimmy Ward, I think the cool part about the NFL is there are so many stories like him, guys who are relatively high picks. He was a pick in the 20s who get to a team. Have a little success, then kind of fall off a cliff, but just are able to survive and then just turn their career into being one of the stalwarts on a franchise, high-level leaders, really good player. I love Jimmy Ward. I told a buddy on the Texans like a year ago, he's going to be a free agent. I'd be all over this guy. Turns out D'Amico ended up going there and I'm pretty sure Jimmy's on the Texans. Jimmy's a stud. Love Jimmy Ward. To me, McGlinchey while he is a staple because he was a starter he's a very replaceable starter. The thing with Jimmy Ward is he's kind of started getting phased out by other players. So to me Jimmy on the field isn't as big of a loss as you know as McGlinchey that they just have to do a brand new player there. Jimmy had already kind of been replaced, had been in and out of the lineup. To me McGlinchey is they've drafted other guys and if you look at McGlinchey's contract you go how do you replace a guy that got 50 million? when you watch the games you go yeah this is a replaceable player Trent Williams not replaceable Mike McGlinchy should be now just because you think he's a replaceable player doesn't mean you do it right you got to find a tackle I don't we'll f- figure it out during training camp uh, I think they have a pretty good idea who's going to be but until you put the pads on you know you have a competition let it play out uh the guy's got to hold the edge and I think the hardest part about replacing Edge guys on offense your tackles at either position is every team now has sweet edge rushers. Every team does. And the 49ers this year play the NFC East. You're getting the Eagles again. Obviously the Cowboys, you know, the Giants invested in Kaveon, Let's say he takes a step. We know Washington has really good edge defenders. The Rams could can put Aaron Donald out there when need be. Um, pretty sure the other division you play is the AFC North. So the Ravens always have a good pass rush. TJ Watt, last time I checked, pretty good player. If I was the Cleveland Browns, I would say, I'm not going to put Miles Garrett over Trent Williams that much. I'm going to put him over my right tackle. Hey, last question. I'm messaging you from my wife's Instagram. Big fan of the show. Been listening since right before the draft and looking forward to hearing your takes during the season. What do you think is the ultimate reason for the Cowboys' last lack of success in the postseason over the past 25 years? I'm 28 years old and I've been a lifelong Cowboys fan, and they haven't even been to a conference title game in my lifetime. You know what's crazy? Those 49ers, for example, no franchise quarterback, three of them in the last four years. It would be easy to blame Jerry, but the fact is the Cowboys regularly win 12 plus games and are one of the more consistent good franchises in the league. Clearly, Jerry in the front office do a good job. Totally agree. Dak is too good to get rid of, but not good enough to carry a team. Do you consider them a successful franchise for consistently feeling a good team? Or are they more defined by their lack of postseason success? I definitely view them as successful franchise. They, to me, have like a Yankees vibe of the last probably decade. They win a lot. They're the biggest brand in the league, but they don't feel that close to winning a title. But they are very, very important to the landscape of the business. And they are a legitimate operation when you watch them in the regular season. I was thinking about this the other day. The 49ers-Cowboy game in the second round. The Cowboys showed up two years ago. They played two years in a row in the playoffs. I thought the Niners two years ago, even though the game came down to that final drive, remember when Dak took off and couldn't spike the ball or whatever in time, and the ending they got made fun of. That game when you rewatch it is a Jimmy Garoppolo pick six from not being that close. But the Niners outclassed them, but more importantly, outphysical them. Niners are one of the more physical teams in the league. I thought this year in that game, the Cowboys defense was championship level. Like that Cowboys defense was, we can win the Super Bowl. We can we are good enough to win multiple the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. They lost that game. And if they would have got the Eagles while they would have been underdogs, you get comfortable enough playing an opponent in your division, the Cowboys wouldn't have been intimidated in that game. I'm not saying they're going to win. But the problem was Dak Prescott threw two picks in that playoff game. Like, their offense is talented enough, skill-wise. Their defense is clearly good enough with the defensive coach. To me, the question is, this year, offensive schematics with Schottenheimer and McCarthy How are they? Are they out scheming people on offense and the quarterback? Is he he throwing picks nonstop? Because if Dak Prescott's going to throw picks in the playoffs, you're going to lose. And that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of Monday Night Football was fun. Tampa Bay sucked. I mean, that, that was a bad football team. And he destroyed them. That's what a good team does. And the Cowboys are a good team. But the only way to me is if you're in the conference championship game, you can win the Super Bowl. Right? To me, if you're in the Final Four, you can win the Super Bowl. Proven time and time again. Think about some all the last Super Bowls, right? The Bengals easily could have won. The Chiefs could have won that year. Um, last year, the 49ers could have won the Super Bowl. The Eagles could have won the Super Bowl. They, they, you get to the Final Four, you're a Super Bowl level. If you can't win that second round game, you got some usually flawed. The Giants last year, not even remotely talented enough. The Jags might still be a year or two away. The Cowboys, like they should be right there. And they were. Game was close. Quarterback picks, interceptions can't happen, and it did, and it killed him. Losing to Brock Purdy, y- you can't get outplayed by Brock Purdy. That that's that's inexcusable. McCarthy's proven like he's been to a lot of conference championship games. He's won some playoff games. I know he's had Rodgers, but he's proven to be a head coach that can win. I would say Dak might be your biggest question mark. Who's a good player and to me represents your franchise? High level guy, impressive. We like talking about him. Is something missing? And when I want to say something missing. I'm not, Clearly smart enough. Clearly he's you know, he can he's good enough in theory but yet when the game happens, when it really matters sometimes the ball lands in the other team's hands consistently. It happened two years ago and it happened again this year. And until he cleans that up, like Jalen Hurts cleaned that up and they rolled right to the Super Bowl and it looked like they were rolling right to a championship. I don't even need him to play as good as Jalen, but you can't do what you did last year. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great weekend. Talk to everyone soon.
0: The volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800 333 kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10 year 100,000 mile powertrain and 5 year 60,000 mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets